This is Before the Light Goes Out with Catherine Williams. Jude Rogers has been a journalist for 20 years this year, writing about music, books, the arts, culture, people and lots more besides for The Guardian, The Observer, Word magazine and lots of other places. She makes radio programmes and also published a book, The Sound of Being Human, How Music Shapes Our Lives, last year, which dug deep into how music moves us and how music shaped her own life from her earliest memories to her life now in her mid-40s. She lives in Wales with her husband Dan, son Evan and cats Mildred and Maud, named by Evan after the worst witch witches. Oh, I love that book. And she first met a certain singer-songwriter on a job in Ullapool 15 years ago, where they and a previous guest, Neil McCall, stayed up in a hotel honesty bar until 4am. I don't know if I stayed awake. I never do. You did! (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Jude Rogers. Oh, hi, Kath. I'm chuffed to be asked because I listen to this, not when I'm going to sleep, but in the car. (laughs) Oh, do you? Yeah, I do. I find it really relaxing, although sometimes, you know, too relaxing when I'm on a motorway. But there we are. (laughs) No, it's not always relaxing because you are quite rude and funny sometimes. And it does make me laugh. You do make me laugh. So there we are. Well, I I don't intend it. So these are serious (laughs) questions. And the first one, (laughs) and the first one is, how did you sleep last night? All right. Not too bad. I went to, I'm, I don't sleep enough, really. I always wake up about five past ten past six. And I think that's a product of being trained to wake up like that when my son was a baby. Yeah. And, you know, he still gets up about that time. And if I don't hear him, you know, pad into the toilet or putting his uh, music on quietly, I wonder, you know, oh, is he all right? So, yeah, I just automatically get up. If I'm at home, that is. Yeah, I went to, had a brilliant day yesterday. It's my birthday on the weekend. Oh, happy birthday. So I had a day in a... Thank you. I had a day in a spa, which was nuts, yesterday by myself, where I read books and sat in a jacuzzi, and it was nice. And then went out for dinner with my husband last night, because it's our wedding anniversary, also on my birthday on the weekend. So, yeah, I had a fantastic day, but I thought I'd just sleep like the dead, but... Yeah, I couldn't get to sleep and I went to sleep about quarter past midnight and woke at six. So I'm a bit tired, but there we are. So you fitted it all in, like all the important things in one weekend. Is, is that you? Are, are, you, very, <laughs> are, you, very, are you very efficient at squeezing joy into one small part of your life? <laughs> I, not usually. The spa I went to yesterday, the voucher was for my birthday last year, so I'd, it was about to run out. It's also my son's birthday, the day before my birthday. So I guess I am quite good at it. Um, you know, that wasn't planned. I didn't, you know, <laughs> plan a certain thing um, to happen so we could have the baby around my birthday. But yeah, my, um, my husband's grandparents on his mum's side got married on his grand's birthday. And so when we decided to get married, he suggested that. And I thought it was a really nice idea. But it was also, it was April the 29th. 2011 which was also the day of the royal wedding of William and Kate yeah oh it was so nuts you know we'd booked it before them <laughs> anyway but I I, I realized you know after feeling you know annoyed and stressed because our wedding was in London as well about five minutes later something went in my brain but you're a freelance journalist <laughs> you could write about it so I did I just wrote about it everywhere 
you know, being the anti-royal wedding where, you know, every, you know, my dress turned up late and couldn't find my mascara and that kind of thing, really. I love that. <laughs> I love those little moments as a creative where you're like in a really horrible place, a really horrible situation. And then the little light bulb goes on and you think, "Ooh, I've got something here. Louis was due on my birthday. Oh, 15th of Feb. I did everything I possibly could to stall it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to share my birthday. <laughs> Put like four pairs of tights on. <laughs> Lay on the back for a week. <laughs> no, Evan was really late. He was really late. He was due on the 15th. So by, you know, I was desperate for him to come out. He was, yeah, 13 days late. So, yeah. But it's nice. I like it now. You know, maybe when he's a teenager, he'll find it embarrassing. But I quite like it sharing our birthday weekend. I am spending my 45th birthday at Go Ape, though, which is not what I dreamt <laughs> of, to be honest. <laughs> there we go. Where are you sleeping tonight? I'm sleeping at home. Yeah, next door to my office. Yeah, got a double bed. You moved from London to Wales. When did you move? Seven years ago now. So it's kind of sort of on the way-ish to where my family are in Swansea. We're about a mile outside the village. It's not as, you know, completely removed from civilization as it sounds. It's about a mile from a main road and it's 15 minutes in the car from Abergavenny and 20 minutes from Hereford. So got, you know, two huge metropolises really close. <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's lovely. Yeah, so kind of um, sleeping in my double bed with Dan, my husband. Yeah, we have a lovely view out of the room of the Herefordshire Hills, actually, because we're right on the border. There's a hill called Galway Hill, which is really lovely that we can see out the back of our house. Mm. And in the summer, it's quite nice because just see down the garden and see it. And it's quite a nice thing to see first thing in the morning when you wake up. Although we always have the curtains open. I should stop closing the curtains because that's probably why I'm waking up at six. So where's the strangest place you've ever slept? Right, I prepared for this, but I was listening to the old podcast thinking, right, I need to think of these answers. It's definitely in the entrance hall to a scout hut <laughs> on a, what they call those thermorests, those little, you know, sleeping roll things, sleeping mats that slightly inflate, but not enough. Yeah. In a sleeping bag with the lights on. Now, this was about two years ago. I was a parent helper at my son's beaver cubs, you know, troop. And I was helping out at a weekend. They had a camp out. Well, it wasn't a camp out. It was a camp in, in the scout hut because it was, I think it was just after all the COVID restrictions. And, you know, they're very little. You don't want loads of seven-year-olds camping outside in a park or whatever. So they were all in. And I, for some reason, I don't think the leader just, didn't like me very much. And she basically said that I had to sleep by the loos to supervise the kids coming out and I had to keep the light on. <laughs> oh this my. was also, yeah, it was horrible. And this was also right at the end of me finished. I was about a week off the deadline. Well, my self-imposed deadline for my first draft of my book going in. So I'd been writing loads and really panicking. Yeah, so I was knackered anyway. Yeah, it was, you know, and I was getting all these little seven-year-old boys and girls coming over, <laughs> climbing over me, trying to go to the loo in the middle of the night. So that was nice. I'm no longer a parent helper at Beavers or Cubs, I have to say. I quit then. <laughs> I'm not having this. <laughs> she sounds like a right beaver. 
The can you sleep anywhere question. Did you sleep that night? Can you sleep anywhere? No. No. I used to be able to. When I was younger, I was quite good at it. I'd go to bed quite early. I've always woken up early. I, I'm quite good sleeping not on my house. I think if, if I'm away with work and I'm in a hotel room, <laughs> I need to put the alarm on <laughs> to wake myself up. But yeah, I have to be fairly comfortable, I have to say. Can't sleep on planes. You know, I can't sleep sitting up. I've got to be lying down with some pillows. So where's the furthest place you've travelled for an interview? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, well, either, well, West Coast of America or West Coast of Canada. The first international interview I did actually was in Vancouver in 2005 or 2006. That was with the Arcade Fire. That was amazing. I was by myself. There was no publicist. I just had to meet the band. And this is when they were huge. It was just after the first record, about a year after the first record. And they were playing arenas in Canada. You don't know they're from Canada, but they were playing big venues already. And I got there on a Wednesday morning and I was flying out on a Saturday and, you know, hanging out with them. But I had like a day and a half to myself in Vancouver. And I, I, when I got there, you know, it was in the evening. And I remember that was the first time I think I've been away by myself anywhere, anywhere abroad, maybe you know, not, not, no, it was definitely not anywhere, anywhere, but first time I'd been away on a work trip by myself and I had this massive, super king-size bed or whatever it was. And I remember just going opposite, because I was quite tired, getting some takeaway sushi, bringing it back and watching loads of Simpsons episodes while eating sushi in this massive bed. I was thinking, this is the life for me. <laughs> this is music journalism. I'm having that. A couple of years ago, I did a tour with supporting a band around Norway, and it was in December. It was like minus 18. And I flew over there on my own. (laughs) And I was like, oh, it's going to be fine and everything. And then I got a a bus from the airport to the town that I was going to be staying in. And then I'd kind of forgotten that it was going to be in a different language, and there was only me. And I had to find this hotel. And it was like really (laughs) cold. Oh my God, what am I doing? I don't know where the hotel is. And I just burst into <laughs> tears. And then I went, I don't know where my hotel is. And they just spoke perfect English and oh. took me to my hotel. <laughs> the kindness of strangers. But that feeling when you're quite far, especially if you're in America or Canada, that body of water between you and the life you're from. Yeah. Yeah, I remember just um, being on the plane that day. And I was, you know, I was 27. I wasn't very young or anything but just thinking I've never flown by myself before you know where's my mum <laughs> how can I do this <laughs> you know I know loads of people have you know done gap years you know trips crossing you know Asia by themselves that's not me I was kind of uh, sadly the music industry isn't like that anymore there's not as many opportunities to you know fly by yourself to Vancouver for four days a lot of it's done on zoom now obviously but yeah, I remember that was a great. I always remember that bed. It was lovely. Just watching The Simpsons going, this is the life. <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer sleeping alone or with someone? I think I prefer. Do you know what? I do just like both. I think when you've got a little kid, well, he's not that little anymore, but kind of when you have those rare opportunities to have a good night's sleep, it's quite lovely. Wondered what you were going to say then. <laughs> <laughs> well. When I'm away, if I'm away for a while, I do miss, you know, sharing my bed. But yeah, it's funny because I'm a freelance journalist. I think to be a freelance journalist, maybe it's the same as being 
a musician. You know, I know you collaborate with a lot of people. Well, you've got to be a bit of a loner, I guess. You know, I'm, I'm very happy being by myself and travel. You know, last week I was in Harrogate and I was in London and I was staying in hotels and I do really enjoy my own, well, I don't enjoy my own company because I'm so amazing. But, you know, I just like being by myself. I like having my own space. It's really nice. I'm married to somebody who's like that as well. And it's quite nice because, you know, we really enjoy our time together. But we also appreciate the other ones and enjoys having time for themselves. So a bit of both, you know, and then I come back and then in the mornings, have a little run in and have a cuddle and it's really nice. And it's funny, when I'm away by myself, I do just sleep on one side of the bed. I can't really get into sleeping in the middle. It's really weird. <laughs> I do really take up room in bed, though. I kind of sleep in like the sort of like the recovery position, <laughs> which, you know, not because I'm worried I'm going to die, but kind of, you know, one arm up, one leg up. It's really like, and, and my son does too. Funny. And poor Dan's always like, trying to you know elbow me back into position very gently gentle shoves <laughs> so spoon cuddle or space spoon definitely yeah i do just enjoy the feeling of safety oh yeah definitely definitely and you know it's funny when my son was a bit younger you know when he wanted a cuddle at night you know i give him you know go behind him and give him a big cuddle it's, it's really nice we all need it don't we you know, hugs have been has always been a big part of our family. I haven't got loads of trinkets to pass down, but I can pass down the hugs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. When you get to bed and you're there having a spoon, <laughs> do you sleep through? Yeah, usually. Dan doesn't. Yeah, he always gets up about three times. But <laughs> no, yeah, I do. I do. You know, but I should. I need to sleep longer. I sleep about probably six and a half hours. It's not enough. I've started trying to be better at it because I know sleep is so important. You're trying to get to bed a bit earlier and read. You know what it's like when you've got kids and you can have pretend they've got to bed and you've done your chores. And sometimes I do a bit of work or catching up with admin in the evening because I, you know, quite often I finish work at like quarter to four and then I go into mum mode or I'm yeah. you know, going in between clubs or you know driving here and everywhere because I'm freelance and my husband's full time. You know, it's nice to have a bit of time to yourself at the end of the day. And um, I just need to learn to, you know, just go to bed and read a book. and leave. I've started leaving my phone downstairs, which has made a big difference. Usually I'm just watching, you know, Succession or whatever is the latest thing I'll tell you. Is that good? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I know people who, you people either love it or they say, I can't watch it because it's, you know, full of absolutely hateful people. I think it's brilliant. And I get... Yeah, I'm starting to get breath that there's only five episodes left of the whole thing ever, which is a bit daft. Monday night ritual. It was Tuesday night this week because I was away. But yeah, but um, don't watch Succession before going to bed, though, because you just want to read all the blogs about it then. I never sleep well after watching it because I'm just thinking, oh, what about this? Uh, anyway. <laughs> this thing called Designated Survivor. Oh, yeah, yeah. With Kiefer Sutherland, or as we call him, Keith from Sunderland. <laughs> We're halfway through, so we want to watch it all, but it's just a bit pompous and there's too much brass associated with being an American. It's sort of doing my head in. <laughs> Do you, the thing about Succession that's good, it's, one, it's on once a week, so you watch it then. Um, yeah, I kind of, I've stopped watching stressful things generally before bed. You know, the kind of things you can binge, like Designated Survivor I haven't seen, but you can probably binge that, right? You can watch two episodes and that, however many you want to. 
I just like to watch fun and things. Really, we're rewatching all of Seinfeld again. We're on season season four now. A couple of episodes of Seinfeld is quite nice because it's just funny. It's not like who's going to die, who's been murdered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so much of that now, isn't there? Like, yeah. That's why I loved, um, you know, that comedy Ghosts. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I've never seen, which is crazy. But I've watched so much horrible histories. Obviously, um, I must watch it. It's such a great family family watch and it's the sort of thing that you get your sort of little family quotes <laughs> whenever we have a boiled egg we always say to each other dip it again <laughs> silly little things i think we're getting to that point now yeah kind of watching stuff evan and i are watching doctor who we've started going through from christopher excellent doctor who we're in the matt smith bits and i will not watch, let him watch it by himself because it'd be a bit scary and also i want to watch it with him because it's quite nice I love Christopher Eccleston's face. Oh, oh, me too. Oh, your amazing face. Just want to, you know, I said just want to touch I, it. I thought you were going to say sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> He's quite beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yes, he is very, very beautiful. So do you write or work better in the day or night? And has that changed over the years? I was thinking about this. I think it's day now, just on the two knackers at night. But um, when I started as a journalist, I say it sounds as very good, I started as a journalist. You know, this was, you know, I was working a word magazine as a reviews assistant and doing some reviews out of the office. But I used to do it quite a lot at night. And I'd always do a, I'd have, have a glass of wine. <laughs> and I'd be like, you know, ooh, I'm, a, you know, I'm reviewing a, an album or whatever. I remember um, very early on reviewing... My brain's gone. Your amazing um, covers album, Reflections, no. What was it called? Relations. Relations, sorry. I love that record. It always reminds me when, when Dan and I got together. And I remember, I remember like reviewing that late at night. Just listen, And I used to love kind of, you know, having a lamp on and being in the dark and just writing about music then. But I always, that was quite short-lived, kind of writing at night. And I became somebody who did really well at just getting up really early, like six o'clock and like doing four hours and then it was done these days it's just you know it's got to be between nine and three thirty <laughs> a lot of the time I'm good in the mornings I'm good in the mornings you know, just get on with it and do you have like a designated place like when you were writing your book do, do you have a room that you write in or, or could you take your laptop anywhere and no I need to be right so where we live we've got a garage that's been turned into I kind of, it's called, the, well, it was not the studio, but the previous things, you know, it's a room, <laughs> it's a garage. <laughs> My husband's a musician, so it's got, a, that's where he goes and play, practices his saxophone and the drums. It sort of became the place where he did that, and I never really went in there, but when I was writing the book, I went there. You know, I, we have a spare room, which is where I am now, which usually has the washing in and me and loads of mess. You know, if you, if you looked around the sides of this laptop, there are boxes everywhere and all kinds of nonsense. <laughs> But it's funny, I couldn't write the book here. I found it really hard because I'm curious to, you know, chasing, end, endlessly chasing invoices or, you know, writing pieces of journalism and stuff. So I went over there and I found that really good because it was just a different space. And I was like, this is a special thing. I have to write this somewhere that feels a bit different. Um, and a couple of times I did go away to write and I find that really useful. You know, I felt a bit bad about that, but... I'm really, you know, I'm lucky. Dan's like, you know, you've got to go and do it. If you could do it, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. You know, we sorted out him sorting out the childcare and my grandparents and stuff. And I had, I think it was five days at an Arvon centre in the, it's one about an hour from me in Shropshire. It was just post 
one of the waves of COVID and they had like a discount because nobody was booking it so I went and I also spent five days in Oxford um towards the end of writing the book to do some research in the Bodleian Library there and I stayed in a student room uh, basically so I went to I went to university in Oxford don't you know I went to Wadham College which was great because it had statical people there and it was exciting you know so I didn't feel like a complete weirdo although I did you know but um, I stayed in like the same staircase I stayed in in my first year of university and in this tiny little room and every day, you know, got up and just went to the library like I did in my third year and did loads of writing and research. And it's a copyright library there, so you can get anything. And it was wonderful. It was really great. Oh, wow. And then spent, yeah, so I kind of, I, being in libraries, I find really useful when I was in London. I used to go to the British Library. I think if you, it's almost like, a lack of confidence on my part in sometimes and I feel like I have to surround myself with more clever people and books and maybe that will just get into me by osmosis or something. Don't be daft, you're one of the brightest minds I've ever met. Oh, you're very sweet. But you know, you know what I mean? It's kind of like sometimes just being in a place that feels like it might inspire you a bit. Yeah. yeah I found it funny when I, you know, I did go to the British Library, actually, for like one day because I wanted to find some newspaper articles. And they, they've got loads of enemies and melody makers in the British Library that are just on open shelves. <laughs> and I remember I was there with like some 1970s melody makers and enemy. And somebody next to me had like lots of books on Socrates. <laughs> and I was there, look, you know, looking up a craft work review. When I wrote my book, I did most of it in bed in oh, the wow. time when... When in the time when Ted was going to school, Ted and Louie were in school, and I would like take my laptop, get into bed at nine, and then about half two, realise that I'd been just writing and daydreaming in bed, hadn't eaten anything, hadn't drank anything. <laughs> and then I'd rush round for the last like half hour, like doing the washing up, throwing some hoovering, well, maybe even just throwing shake and vac about. So it looked like <laughs> I'd done something. Yeah, quickly get like a tomato sauce with some pasta on the on the boil. So it looked like I'd been sort of doing other stuff all day and I'd just secretly been writing in bed. <laughs> but it's funny because I've got my own music studio and I just didn't feel like I could write the book here. Oh, I love that you wrote it in bed, though, because your book is so oh, so amazing. You just could get lost in another world so quickly. Well, I got lost in, in this world so quickly as a reader. Oh. And it's so... Oh, strange and slightly dark and weird, and you there's a sense of dread about it, but also you get you really care about these characters really quickly. Oh, so you know, I can imagine you just getting lost, you know, you creating them and getting lost in it at the same time, you know, in a bubble. It's like a written down daydream, really. But I mean, your book is amazing, and I love the way you've pulled together all of these years of working out music and what it means, and then how you sort of put that into your own life it's uh if I, if anyone hasn't read it it's it's just such a fantastic and emotional read actually um mm. so tell me about where the seed came from to write your book it's funny I think it had been you know bubbling under my brain for such a long time but what the thing that made me do it was when it was when Mark Hollis from Talk Talk died and I, there's one of my chapters that starts with me getting a phone call from my editor at The Guardian and I'm in the car and I'm pulling into a lay-by and if you get a call from an editor after work hours, you know, you know somebody's dead and <laughs> they want you to write something about them. <laughs> but um, I wrote a piece about him and I just wrote it that night and it was very from the heart about... about it was specifically about 
there's the Talk Talk album, The Colour of Spring, that had been one I really hung on to when I moved to Wales and, you know, seeing the seasons change and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, when it was published and loads of people responded to me about it and I thought, I love writing like this when it's a little... You know, it wasn't hugely personal, but my connection with his music was there. And I thought, I should just write a book about my connections with music through my life and actually try and work out why these things are here. Because I'd read odd essays and scientific studies about music and I'd read this book um this is your brain on music by Daniel Levitin by that point and maybe a few other things I remember reading this amazing study about twinkle twinkle little star being played to babies in utero and I suddenly it was like everything coalesced that day and I was like oh my god this out and and I couldn't get it out of my head I was like right because I tried to write books before I'd had other ideas some were music based some weren't and I'd always started them and then got nervous or just didn't think I was good enough or I was good enough really but this was like no I want to do this and and quite quickly I started thinking well you know my first memories of ABBA and singing Supertube with my grandma and there's Only You by the Flying Pickets which whenever I hear it catapults me back to the last time I saw my dad who died when I was little and and then suddenly thinking you know there's songs about love there's songs about you know and it just kind of came cascading and but I really wanted it to have that sort of journalistic element to it as well you know digging into the, the science of it not because well I think partly actually it was because a confidence thing again you know does anybody want to hear me wanging on about music for you know whatever yes but or yeah yeah <laughs> and, and a lot some of the you know I've had lo- lovely reviews for it but a few people said oh I don't know why it went so much into the science but I think it's because I'm a journalist and I'm, and, and I'm a fan and I wanted to know so why does this happen and I found it so fascinating you know I I've said this many times but I have a single award GCSE in science. I was not good at science in school, but I'm fascinated by how things work. Um, and I do wonder, my dad was a physics teacher, actually, in school. I didn't inherit any of his <laughs> scientific brain. But I can interview people, and I got um, one of the amazing neuroscientists I spoke to to do a proofread of the way I'd summed up the science in the book as well. <laughs> you know, and I got it more or less right, but I was really nervous about getting it wrong, as you can imagine. But yes, anyway, that's a long answer to the question. But um, I, that was the seed of it. And then I suddenly realised that I had been writing little pieces like this a lot over the years. You know, there's some of them. I wrote a piece for Word magazine about male, sort of alternative father figures for me when I was a little girl, like how much I loved Adam Ant and George Michael and stuff like this. And then I kind of went back to all that stuff and realised I could turn it into something that shaped a life. So yeah, it was... Um, I find, oh yeah, it was really exciting writing it. Yeah, it's still, it's still mad. I just see, you know, I've got copies of it doctored around my office and it's just mad to still see it. I think, God, I did make, I did write a book. It's what I always wanted to do when I was a teenager and, yeah. It's, it's done really, really well and, I, I mean, it's really well regarded. All the reviews I've seen have just been, like, a dream for those reviews. Is this something now, has it whetted your appetite to do more books or...? Oh, yeah, definitely. Have you got one going? No, I haven't got one going. It's funny. Well, I've got lots of little like, bits of writing going. And I have to say, this is why I have to kind of, you know, we'll have to have a proper chat about this at some point, Kath, because you were so actually so amazingly helpful when I was trying to put the book together and was speaking to you and you were giving me such confidence. It was brilliant. <laughs> no, you really did. But um, I've been writing like bits of fiction and I'd never done that. Well, I say never done that before. I haven't done that since I was a little kid, you know, writing stories in in you know notebooks at home 
and lots of stuff that's not related to music. It's almost like, you know, yeah, I could obviously go down a path writing more books about different things about music, but I'm feeling I want to do other things. You know, I loved writing about, you know, my grandparents and sort of painting a picture of their lives. And I loved writing about, there's a bit in the chapter about Heatwave by Martha Reeves and Anna Vandellas, which is about music and love, where I talk about, you know, how I remember all my old boyfriends, like songs, you know. There's Enter Sandman and there's Patio Song and there's all these things. I just enjoyed the stuff that was almost incidental, not incidental to music, how music made me write about other things and people, actually. I have been a music journalist. I think it is about us trying to find out about the people who make these things. Yeah. I'm somebody who also just loves, you know, nonfiction and documentaries. And I've, in the last couple of years, you know, I've made a documentary about T.S. Eliot um, last year and... You know, I've got, I'm a classic freelancer. You know, I just want to do lots and lots of different diverse things all the time. Yeah, I need to just have, I think I need to have like four days. Or, I need book just somehow, it's always difficult as a freelancer when you're thinking about earning money. But saying what one week, I'm just going to go in the studio, go in the garage <laughs> and just not do anything else and just write. I need to give, you need to give yourself a bit of space for it because you need to think and it just doesn't yeah. emerge straight away. But yeah, what is space? I just need to make more time for it so we've come to our last question can you remember a lullaby song or book that sent you to sleep as a child yes yeah when I think about sleeping as a child there's a couple of things I I wanted to mention a few of them because I just the, the, the little things you don't think about I used to sleep with my grands a lot when I was little after my my dad died when I was little my I spent every Saturday night at my grand's and my mum would, you know, see friends or have friends round. And I'd always read these old Jackie annuals <laughs> that I bought in jumble sales. They were like from the 70s and um, I used to love reading them and I had to read them for going to sleep. I can see my grand's room now. Um, I, this, the spare in my grand's had like wood chip wallpaper that I'd pick off. I love picking it off. Yeah, reading this Jack, Jackie from 1973. I'd love to know where that is. It's long gone. But there's also a lullaby that my gran used to sing to me. Well, I must have been very little. And maybe my mum did as well, actually. Uh, it's a Welsh one. And it's called Casca di Vemlenten Tlus, which means go to sleep, my sweet child. And it's got uh, one of those classic, you know, mournful, modal melodies. <laughs> Can I sing a bit? I, I'm gonna, I, it kind of goes, because it's got this beautiful minor key thing. It goes, Cascadivum Lenten, excuse my singing in front of you, Kath, because you're a beautiful singer. Cascadivum Lenten, Cascadivum Lenten, Cascadivum Lenten, Cascadivum Bore, Cascadivum Bore. But you generally sing it quietly and oh. slowly and slightly mournfully. And it's kind of go to see my li- sweet little child. And Kaigaski Tan Abore is like, may you sleep until the morning. And and I, set, I used to sing that to Evan when he was a little boy. I, we used to have loads of lullabies and he doesn't have them anymore. Every now and then, about a year ago, he asked me to sing them to him again. And I was nearly in tears. But, oh, I quite like it. You know, please sleep into the morning. Please sleep until the morning. <laughs> you know, at the end, it's just really lovely. and. But has this kind of real, real Welsh melancholy about it. You know, we like being melancholy as Welsh. Yeah, it's beautiful. I really love it. And I love when I, you know, with my Guardian folk critic hat on, I kind of get stuff in the Welsh language because, you know, Welsh folk music, Welsh language folk music is not thought about really in the same way as 
Irish folk music or Gaelic folk music, you know, other different kinds of Scots folk music or whatever, it seems to me. And that's a bit like Irish literature and Scottish literature. It sort of has a bit more authority and stuff like that. But um, there's some beautiful Welsh tunes and, yeah, I love that. My grandma was lovely. She was called Irwen, which means snow white. <laughs> and she had a little bubble of white snowy hair. I hope Evan remembers that. And when, you know, he's old, if he, if he has kids, he'll sing it to his kids. Yeah, it's beautiful. I absolutely love it. I've really enjoyed chatting to you, Jude. It's quite funny to be um, reversed. It's normally you that's interviewing me. <laughs> but I've, I think actually it should always be this way round because you're way more interested yeah. than me. <laughs> You're really good at it on the pie. All the episodes, you get things out of people and you got your, and your cheekiness. I love that. You know, people don't really know you as a singer-songwriter. I always say, you listen to Kath's voice and it's so beautiful and so sweet and innocent, it seems to you. And then when you've just got, you think, oh, she's so sweet, she'll just say something naughty or rude or terrifying. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jude Rogers. Thank you for having me. <laughs> 